Hello and welcome to Order Order, Mail Plus Radio's politics podcast with me, Simon Walters, Assistant Editor of the Daily Mail. And me, Amanda Platel, Daily Mail columnist. Coming up, is the Downing Street advisor forced to resign for toxic remarks on race and eugenics, a victim of a social media phenomenon called offence archaeology? Or did he dig his own grave? Does the Conservative Party really want to be associated with people who are advocating eugenics, who are putting forward theories of um, racial inferiority on intelligence? Opposition MPs were quick to call the government's new immigration curbs racist. Immigration Minister Kevin Foster says they're plain common sense. The goal is to get overall immigration down, but to ensure those who are coming in are the brightest and the best of the world. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify, or leave us a review, a nice one please. Tell Alexa to play Daily Mail News and you'll hear the latest episode of Order Order and email us anytime at orderorder at mailplus.co.uk. The budget's coming up soon. Well, never mind the pension tax or the mansion tax. New Chancellor Rishi Sunak has a much bigger issue on his table. It's the toilet tax. Tory MP uh, Rick Holden has pointed out that huge numbers of public conveniences have closed down in the last 10 years. And one of the reasons for this is, unbeknown to me at least there is a business rate is levied on public conveniences. Now, this is going to cost a few pennies for Rishi Sunak to do, but Rick Holden says scrap the toilet tax and boost our high streets. Amanda, I imagine that would be useful to you when you're feeling you need to do a little Jimmy Riddle in the high street. <laughs> Jimmy Riddle? Mm. <laughs> and are you implying that a woman of a certain age needs to find the conveniences more often? I usually just go to the local pub. Because they always know me, <laughs> but, but look, it's a great idea, and I've noticed it in my own um, in my own local community, right in the high street. The only loo that was there for women, there's still one for men, but the only one for the, that was for women is closed. And before that, it was so stinking you couldn't use it anyway. Mm. And, and I think it's one very small thing which you yeah. can do. The high streets are in real big, real big difficulties. And I think if a Rishi, Rishi Sunak could be the chancellor that abolished the toilet tax, I think he'd go down in history. And I, I think. Apart from anything else, it gave Rick Holden the excuse to say the government must be taking the pee if it's charging <laughs> taxes on public conveniences. One small leap for man, one giant leak for everyone else. Boom, boom. I just made that up. <laughs> so, is it going to be wedding bells for Boris and Carrie after his divorce came through this week? Amanda. Do you think wedding bells will be ring? Is he going to marry Carrie now he's divorced Marina Wheeler, his wife? He's got no excuses now, has he? And she is his first lady in number 10. But, you know, he wouldn't be the first man to get out of a long marriage, I think it's more than 25 years, who actually thought, let's just have a little space out of respect for my ex-wife before he gets married again. I doubt he'll jump into it. But full marks to Marina, she's been the classiest cheated-on wife in the history of politics. Mm, that's true. But it would be quite unusual. I think he's only the second prime minister in our history to uh, divorce while in office. The first was the Duke of Grafton in 1769. And I don't know wh wh whether this is a sign of things to come, but when the Duke of Grafton 
remarried, he went on to have nine children with his wife. So Carrie, watch out. Well, Carrie will want to have a baby, won't she? Because she's young. And that's the most likely thing that will happen. But, you know, uh, he wouldn't be the first man. There's this trick that you can use, Simon, which you would, of course, know nothing about, which is that you can actually get your decree nisi, so you're technically divorced, but not go through with the absolute, um, which is the fine, which is the point at which you can then be free to marry someone else. I know more than one gentleman of that's done that. And I, and I think Carrie ought to bear in mind... Um, there's that saying, isn't there? When a man marries his mistress, it creates a vacancy. And who mm-hmm. said that? That was said by Sir James Goldsmith. Of course Father of Zach Goldsmith, Tory minister, one of Carrie's closest friends. Like very close friends. Before Boris. Just days after being given a job at number 10, after Boris Johnson's chief advisor, Dominic Cummings, advertised for weirdos, Andrew Sabisky has had to resign. It turns out his views on a range of issues were just too weird. Writer Toby Young knows how Sabisky feels because he had to resign as an advisor to Theresa May for similar reasons. Toby Young says Sabisky has been thrown to the wolves by the witchfinder generals of Twitter. I don't see why having said these things, should necessarily have excluded Andrew Sabisky from working in government. I think when the press brought these things up, when the offence archaeologists went to work and dug up these uh, supposedly offensive things he'd said, uh, the position of the government should have been the same as the position of the Conservative Party when Boris was accused of Islamophobia. Not, not, Not allow him to kind of fall on his sword or worse, just toss him to the wolves. So people can, I think, say, you endorsed eugenics. But when people hear the word eugenics, they think think Dr. Mengele. They think mandatory sterilisation of blacks and homosexuals. That's certainly not what he was endorsing. He was running an idea up the flagpole to try and test uh, what it is, what what our moral position, what society's position should be on this complicated question, which is going to come up again and again as the technology gets better. I don't see why merely running that idea up the flagpole uh, should get him branded a Nazi and kind of tossed to the the wolves in the way he was. you, 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 you use an interesting phrase there uh, a minute ago about offence um, offense archaeologists. Explain what you mean by that. I mean um, people, sometimes journalists, sometimes just um, uh, uh, witchfinder generals on Twitter, uh, going through everything someone has written they do a google search um uh, uh, it's what used to what, what in politics used to be known as opposition research oppo research mm. uh, you used to have to pay you know uh, consultants a lot of money to do that kind of thing on your political enemies now now, anyone, now, now anyone you can, can crowdsource it. it anyone will do it yeah. for free uh, on social media um and the, the problem with offense archaeology i think is that when they find a comment like andrew sabisky's comment um about embryo selection in the schools week interview they they immediately take it out of context and pretend that he has a much more extreme view based on that snippet than he really does. And they pretend that not only was that his extreme view then, four or five years ago, but that is his extreme view now, and he will inevitably bring it to bear on decisions he's involved with in government. Therefore... He has no place in government. I mean, it's, it's a number of elisions which end up, can end up being very unfair on the individual in question. Now, 
Boris himself was subjected perhaps to more offence archaeology than any other leading politician in the country. And, 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 it, and it was quite a rich dig, wasn't it? It was. There was quite a lot to find. But what, what do you um, make but, of that? Because, but, but because, I think, the, point, I think, because the, the point the point has been made that pretty much uh, every single mark that Andrew Zabisky's made, Boris Johnson has made equally provocative remarks. For example, about race, he's, he's, he's talked about um, pickaninnies with watermelon smiles, and he's made un unflattering harsh remarks about feckless single mothers and uh, work shy young fathers so how is it that someone like boris johnson the prime minister has got away with that when a junior aide hasn't i think it's partly because uh, in boris's case um he was he was given an opportunity to defend himself um in a formal context in the Conservative Party, when there was the investigation into his allegedly Islamophobic remarks in the Telegraph, but also more broadly. Uh, so, for instance, the uh, Piccaninny remark you just quoted, uh, that was in a Telegraph piece uh, in which he was satirising the neo-colonialist attitude of Tony Blair on a visit to a third world country. He was sort of uh, saying that's the way Tony Blair is thinking. He wasn't actually expressing that view himself. I mean, you know, subtle, ironic, mm. nuanced use of the word piccaninnies, often that subtlety gets lost. It's as though people will put the, the least charitable interpretation as a kind of uh, willful, literal mindedness that the offence archaeologists bring to their yes, job Toby, but, in the hope of finding things that are inflammatory and offensive and upsetting. But don't you accept, Toby, that there is a limit to what to what is acceptable for someone in public life to say, or is there no limit? Is there is, there is no remark about race or sex that you would that you would deem to, to make someone unworthy of it no i think there there, there surely is a limit um but i think uh, in the case of andrew sabisky um i think many of the views that were attributed to him as being beyond the pale um uh, aren't in fact views he possess uh, he possessed uh, and if he did possess them i don't believe he possesses them now and i know from having been through something like this myself that it can be very psychologically traumatic Boris is very loyal, uh, and uh, yeah, he he was the only senior politician to come to my defence when I was appointed. How did to he the, do that? He he said on Twitter that you know um, I'd said some. Um, provocative things in the past that shouldn't exclude me from serving in this role i had a caustic wit i was quote unquote the ideal man for the job now um he got into trouble for for, for De- supporting me you. for defending me kathy burke the comedian uh, quote tweeted that and put at the top he's a c-word and so are you which needless to say was retweeted tens of thousands of times <laughs> um but the editor of channel 4 news ben de pair uh, liked that tweet uh, and now complains that boris won't come on his show i mean you know mate you literally called him the c-word what do you expect well it sounds like boris has been doing some offense archaeology to me ian birrell a former speechwriter to david cameron disagrees strongly with toby young ian played a part in sabisky's downfall as the first person to highlight his outspoken comments on race but unlike toby young ian says it's right that people like sabisky are shown the downing street door does the Conservative Party really want to be associated with people who are advocating eugenics, who are putting forward theories of um, racial inferiority on intelligence, who are putting forward extraordinarily sexist comments? Let's not forget eugenics is a creed which basically um, looks down, it has a, this dark, dark history leading to death and to forced sterilization. There's a reason why it's a dirty word. Um, 
and it is basically about seeing certain people, disabled people, black people, uh, people with mental illness, whatever, as being inferior. And is this really the look that the modern Conservative Party wants? So there's a political imperative there. Secondly, I think there's also an ethical issue. I think someone like him should not be advising the Prime Minister. I have a daughter who um, has learning disabilities. I find the whole issue of eugenics terrifying that it's come back with a few ultra-rationalists on the right and in the world of science. Um, and there's a reason for my terror on it, because, of, because it has been used to try and eliminate people with disabilities. So I think ethically the Conservative Party should not be associated with that. They should not be associated, the Prime Minister should not be linked to someone who has espoused views that I find very racist and very sexist. I mean, I'll be blunt here. I'm torn here. I've got massive respect for Ian Birrell and Toby Young. And on the one hand, these remarks by Sabisky, on the face of it, pretty provocative, suggesting that uh, black people are less intelligent than whites. Um, compulsory contraception to stop the creation of a permanent underclass. Uh, if youngsters were given cognitive enhancers to improve their in intelligence, uh, quotes, it's worth a dead kid once a year. These are pretty extraordinary remarks for anyone in Downing Street to have, but a lot of them are taken out of context. And, and if you're to prevent anyone who, who's uttered any controversial view, well, then, as I said in my interview with Toby, Boris Johnson wouldn't, wouldn't be Boris Prime Johnson. Minister. You've got to have people with sort of original creative minds, but... The, it, it's getting pretty close to the unacceptable, the things he's associated with. So, Simon, you know, if you dug up our past, uh, you know, you wouldn't find comments like that. You know, we are not... Recording. I haven't got a spade big enough. <laughs> <laughs> for you, <laughs> um, but you know, but we've almost everything we've written for the last thirty years is in print, so you can dip, find a lot of things about us. You would never have found those kind of comments by us. Uh, you know, I just I think he has tipped over. There's a problem that that these special wacko weirdo advisors um, that Cummings is bringing in are skipping through any due process. And normally I hate that term, but it would at least put some checks on these people before they came in. You know, it's another it's another kick in the teeth for Cummings. You know. It's very bad for him. You know, I think that he's making a lot of mistakes at the moment. And can I just say, you mentioned before about Boris and, and um, the Piccinini mm. quote. And I'm probably going to get into trouble here, but I'm going to say it anyway. My dad, um, Frank, he grew up in the Australian bush with Aborigines, had the highest respect from them, learnt so much from them, had friends, went to school with them. He had this wonderful expression when we'd go out in the bush and we'd be watching the dawn come up and he'd say, Mandy... That's a Piccaninny dawn. And that meant the most beautiful dawn that you could ever see in the Australian bush. And it was a compliment. Mm. I wouldn't even dare use that term now. And it seems we're just throwing, you know, the beautiful sunsets out with the Piccaninny baby bathwater. Mm. Well, I think the moral of the story is in Dominic Cummings, one weirdo and one misfit in Downing Street is enough. <laughs> Too much. There is just no getting away from race. Rapper Dave used the Brit Awards to call Boris Johnson a racist. Diane Abbott says the PM's new immigration curbs are dog whistle politics. A polite word for racism. Not only will it lead to a shortage of workers in that area, but it will be harder to get people into social care and it will be harder to get people out of hospital into social care at home because there simply won't be the employees and the staff to do it. I've never heard an employer or anyone else um, complain that migrants can't speak English. But there's nothing wrong with that in principle, but I don't think that's a, a real issue. That's dog whistle politics. 
Immigration Minister Kevin Foster says such talk is baloney. He says the new controls mean the government is living up to its Brexit promise of taking back control over who comes into the UK and, critically, who doesn't. This new system will take back control and for the first time in decades, immigration into this country and the policies that affect it will be decided by those UK voters have elected and will attract the brightest and the best. But yes, it will mean some need to adjust as well in the UK economy in the no longer having reliance on cheap labour from the from Europe, east of Europe. I mean, that's going to be quite tricky, isn't it? If industry discovers that we can't get the workers we need, then uh, we're, we're going to inflict damage on our own economy. Are we? Isn't that the risk here? Well, I think anyone who sees the UK's future as being based on a race to the bottom as to who can pay the least, I think it's probably mistaken. Where we're looking to do is attract the brightest and the best, bring in the skills that we know we need. And this system is very much based on the advice we received from the Migration Advisory Committee, making clear what we should do around skills from the rest of the world, but also that we shouldn't look to have a general entry route which just perpetuates the supply of cheap labour. Is this going to get numbers of immigration down? And if so, by how many? Well, we're not going to get into a, into a numbers game, but the goal is to get overall immigration down, but to ensure those who are coming in are the brightest and the best of the world and that they're judged on what they have to offer our United Kingdom, not what passport they hold. Aren't you worried that certain industries, I mean, you're, you're the Member of Parliament for Torbay, you've got a huge hospitality and tourist industry there. Isn't your constituency one of the ones that, that could well suffer from these new curbs? My constituency is a fantastic place to live and isn't just about tourism and and hospitality. For example, we have a very large NHS and nursing sector which will benefit from having the new NHS visas we're looking to have. But also there is a, a key part about how we make sure jobs in this sector are more attractive become higher skilled and higher valued and you've only got to speak to those involved in the tourism industry locally in Torbay to know that many are looking to provide a high quality product and look at how we can do that but that's never going to be done paying people the absolute bare minimum. Isn't one of the problems here that the reason we've had such a large amount of low skilled immigrant workers is because a lot of British workers just won't do these jobs. How are we going to get British workers to get off their bottoms and, and, and do these jobs Kevin? Well, I don't think it's so much encouraging my constituents to get off to get off their bottoms. It's more about making sure that we're working through schemes like disability confidence to bring those with unique abilities into into work. It's looking at how we connect with those who've been out of the labour market for some some time. And also, let's remember, there'll still be over three million EEA citizens living and working in this country and who've been protect, who'll be protected by the European Settlement Scheme. So I don't think it's about getting people off their bottoms. It's about making certain jobs and certain industries attractive. Labour spokesman Diane Abbott has said this is crude dog whistle politics. Uh, the Liberal Democrats have said that you're being xenophobic your answer to them well i think they can look at what the migration advisory committee said and also perhaps those two parties might also want to look at the message they got from the electorate back in december and in the liberal democrats case an absolutely disastrous defeat and labor having their lowest number of mps since the war so i think what they need to do is stop looking down on people who want to see sensible control of migration into this country like virtually every other country around the world does and instead look at how they can work to make to make this 
system work. But I suspect from those reactions that they want to live in their own little bubble, which is why they did so badly in December. Uh, do you think this will um, this will change the way Britain is seen in the world? We've always seen as being uh, as being open and tolerant towards immigrants. Do you think this might change the way that Britain Britain is seen as being less welcoming to to foreigners generally? Well, I think if you live in India, Pakistan, Bangladesh and many of our traditional Commonwealth allies, you'll actually be welcoming this announcement because actually you'll be judged on your skills, not your passport. Well, this is a big moment, I think, Amanda. Let's be honest. This is what Brexit was all about. It was really in, in the in the minds of many people. It was taking back control, control over immigration. And, and here you have it. And, and on the face of it, this is a pretty tough system because in effect, this is ending the large-scale immigration of cheap, unskilled labour. The question is, is the economy going to take a hit? Who's going to man the care homes? Who's going to man the hospitality catering industry? What's going to okay, happen if there aren't enough? Let's come back to the care homes in a minute, because I think um, that actually you made a very good point. That the great One of the great scandals in this country is that we've, got, we've still got a large number of able people who won't get off their bottoms. Who won't get off their bottoms and won't work. And, you know, maybe this is going to go hand in hand with welfare changes, which say if you're not prepared to take these jobs, which are vital to our society, that's one of the things I think will come down the line. But, you know, I look at it and I think most Brexiteers like me have been wanting this for so long. It's tight. It delivers most of the targets. There's obviously things they've got to finesse. Um, but um, when I was looking at it today and I went through the list, Simon, I wouldn't get in if I arrived today. At, at, Damn, they've come at, too late. <laughs> at the age of 25, okay, out of the 70 points, the only 10 I get. So I wasn't in a skill. I didn't have a job. I wasn't in anything like the, the financial cap. The only thing I could do is speak English. Well, I think we'll be the judge of that. Um, but, but actually, the, the, of course, this is modelled on your native yeah. country of Australia. But, the, but it's completely the, different there. Yeah, it is. But one of, the, one of the features of the Australian system is they are really tough on illegal immigrants. I mean, they, they, they literally send them out of Australia on, onto islands on, on, off yeah. the coast of Australia. Uh, can you see that kind of method coming in? I don't think we I don't think no, we buy I don't, that. I don't think that, that, um, that our society would is really in that position i don't think it would wash i just don't but the difference with australia is that they have they have and want increased increased migration mm. every single year because they've got a tiny population and to, for their economy to grow they need more people in the whole thing behind a lot of the brexiteers who voted to leave it was um, we want fewer people coming in. The country's too crowded. And it seems as though this is showing, you know, good on Boris for bringing it in so quickly. He said he'd deliver Brexit. He's got it. He got a deal. Now he's come through within a very short time with a really comprehensive and tough plan. I think it's brilliant. Well, I, I, I think um, the, the minister, Kevin Foster, he is the, he's the MP for Torbay, which, of course, is Torquay. Torquay is the home of Faulty Towers, that great series. <laughs> and, of course, it was based on an actual hotel. But we would never have had Manuel. Manuel, his English, wouldn't have been good enough to come into the country. That, There'd have been no Faulty Towers. Oh, that's a very sweet little segue. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, Simon, what's your topical tune this week? Someone we've heard of? <laughs> Topical tune, it's called The Immigrant, and it's by one of my favourite singers, Neil Sedaka, mm. a great name from the past. And it's a 
poem it's a tribute to opening your doors and one of the, the chorus line goes there was a time when strange was a welcome here and i just hope that these new immigration controls don't mean that strangers are no longer welcome in britain we still need them strangers like me thank you simon it was a time when strangers were welcome here Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget, you'll be able to listen back to this and all our other Mail Plus radio podcasts at mailplus.co.uk or via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Join Simon and me next week for more political chat. But for now, that's all from me, Simon Walters. And from me, Amanda Platell. Goodbye. Goodbye.